0: What up? What up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. Been on a little bit of a break, but myself, Nick Ingval, and Mike Hilary are back with another episode to start the new year. So, what's going on, Mike? How you been, man? How was your holidays?
1: Man, it was good. Uh, it feels like we've been gone forever, but it's only been like two weeks. So it was crazy. So, I mean, I hope everybody rocked with our old episodes while they're opening presents.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of funny. Like as soon as you step out of that, like. Pattern and habit of recording each week. You know, it, it, it feels like a whole different world. Oh, yeah.
1: It is crazy. It feels like we took a vacation for work and it's like trying to figure out what to do when you come back.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, we're going to start out business as usual and just shout out to um, someone who left us a review on, on iTunes because that's really the only way we. we really can expand this audience and this community that we're trying to build around the podcast. And um, we just appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. So um, Brooklyn Floss left us uh, a great review on iTunes, Uh, phenomenal sneaker knowledge and learning. My name is Edward from Brooklyn, New York. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and I truly appreciate the knowledge you all share on the show on a weekly, on a week by week basis. I also appreciate that you guys are constantly working, putting out episodes every week, and that's such a blessing. I think the information on releases, the various interviews, and deep-rooted talks on the sneaker culture's past, present, and future keeps me intrigued and invested. I want to wish you guys a happy Turkey Day for you and your family, much continued success, and also for inspiring me to start my own podcast in the near future. So, Edward, like, really appreciate all of that. Like, it's just so much to unpack, and and just means so much that people like yourself will take the time to. Listen every week and um and share your thoughts with us and and obviously like let us know when you get your podcast going, because we'd be happy to to check it out because I mean that's really what we're here for so
1: yeah, man, that's awesome, thank you, thank you. It's all oh, always cool and it's still kind of surreal to me to hear that we've inspired somebody to do something, so that's pretty awesome.
0: yeah, most definitely um what what uh what are you what are you rocking what are you looking at copping this week, Mike?
1: Um well what I was looking at copping is uh I got beat. It was the uh the China Moon LeBron Seven. Not gonna lie, I got a little c- complacent if that's maybe a- too strong of a word I actually actually, 'cause it's just shoes. But the other LeBron's have been sitting, the sevens have been sitting both the Christmas and the uh, red carpet pair. And I thought the same would apply to these, but from what I've seen so far they've sold out most places. So I guess I gotta search those resale sites to see if I can get a fair deal. But other than that, I'm rocking super heavy, uh, a pair of Jordan Four Whatthas. My brother got me a pair for Christmas, and I know like now people are starting to come around to them because
2: they actually see them in hand. But not gonna lie, it's probably the best quality Four I've seen in a long time. Damn, that's that's saying
0: that's saying
1: a lot. I know, but I hated them at first. Like I said, when we first saw the sneak peek pictures. I despise that shoe because it could have looked terrible. But see them in hand, it, they shouldn't have called them the what this. They should have called them a you know top four because it takes more cues from that than it does any kind of what the pair. So it makes more sense that they would have changed the name. I think it would have got a better, um, better reception that
0: way. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think I think that whole. I mean, that's a that's a long conversation, but we should do an episode on that. Just talking about the way that, that particular releases have been marketed over the last you know, couple of years, because I think there's a lot of a lot of missed opportunities out there. But um, oh, yeah. it's also challenging, challenging for the brands to know what's going to, you know, what, what, where to prioritize because they're releasing so many shoes now. So uh, but yeah, so for me, uh, what I was rocking today, uh, Jordan React Havoc is like a training okay, shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah, super comfortable. You can probably get them for, for fairly cheap. I'll make sure there's a link in the description. Um, but I think it's one of the cheaper, like one of the better react cushion shoes. Um, not, you know, I don't know, like I'm one of those guys that really likes a lot of the Jordan training stuff. Like the Trunner is one of my favorite shoes, even when they did the updates. So that, that was what I was rocking today. Um, and what I'm looking at, uh, I mean. I was looking at the the LeBron Seven too, um, but the Kobe Five Chaos Pro Tro. I'm curious about. I don't know if I'll pull the trigger on on it, um, but it's definitely got me intrigued and surprised to see the LeBron Seven sell out so quickly. So, kind of curious if the Kobe's going to follow suit. I hope I not. I want that pair too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely I think that's one of the best Kobe colorways of all time. And on that particular silhouette just looks looks just gorgeous to me. So agreed. uh, But so on this episode, we wanted to get into kind of uh, uh, not predicting the future, but we want to talk about what's coming in 2020, because I think, you know, being that we're turning the page into the new year, you know, we did a lot of looking back over the last decade. And there's some interesting things on the horizon already that we kind of know are coming. But I guess one of the things that we wanted to start with is kind of the the, the Air Jordan retros that are coming in 2020. So I don't know, Mike, you want to um, you want to start out with a, with a few of them or, or some of your favorites?
1: Yeah, I definitely start with some of my favorites. Um, there's a lot coming. Just a heads up. I mean, I guess anyone could have already make that prediction but jordan brandon has a lot on the horizon and what i'm most excited about i should say is going to be some of the reworkings they're doing like the jordan one pack that's coming with the airship that we talked about um a couple episodes back they're retooling that reworking the shape to get a a more of a traditional the og shape and it looks like they're doing the same thing with the Jordan 5 as well, that Fire Red 5 coming out later this year. From the initial looks at that one, it looks like, again, they're reworking it to a more OG shape that's actually more streamlined than the retros they put out. But other than that, I mean, there's a couple of pairs I'm looking forward to. The white Jordan 4s, both with the purple metallic accents and then with the green metallic accents, is something I'm looking forward to course, of DMP six coming out, I think actually this month, Um, the Jordan one high 85 that doesn't quite have a solid release date, but it's rumored to be a Chicago release during a uh, during all star weekend, which is going to probably make it insane to try to get a hold of. And then I think one kind of obscure release that I'm really looking forward to with Jordan brand is that Chinese New Year 13 was this has like almost remnants of like the Easy neck colorway, that beige with pink bottom, but it's the, like the debossed print they have on the upper that was supposed to be like the the Panther Whiskers are. Just, it's a sick looking shoe. And I don't, th- I don't think a lot of people like it, but one of my favorites so far.
0: Yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff from Jordan Brand that I'm I'm actually really kind of into, at least at the moment. Um, you know, I think we'll we'll put a link in the description, but... You know, there's been a handful of sites that have done the, you know, Jordan releases for 2020 and, um, you know, running all the way through like, you know, next year's Jordan 11 release. But um, I think for me, like the ones that caught my eye, like there's the Air Jordan 12 University Gold, which is basically a black and yellow, you know, kind of a a, a Gary Payton PE if you're into that era of of Jordan releases or or, you know, NBA basketball that seeing that kind of come out is <clears throat> I think one of the things that, you know, even like the Jordan four with white and uh the white and red, where it it reminds me of like the Derek Anderson PEs from back in the day. And I think those, those types of releases are always going to like kind of tug at my uh nostalgic heartstrings <laughs> and, uh, because, I, because there's like, there's a nostalgic tie to it that at least I can connect the dots where some of the other stuff, you know, there's a, there's like a university gold and purple um, air Jordan 14. Mm. And I just can't picture anybody wearing that shoe in the league. So like, that's a shoe that I don't care for. Um, I, I saw the concept for the Jordan 11, the like white and Concord, like basically white and Royal blue. Um, and I feel like that colorway, even though back in the day like there were just fakes of that colorway everywhere, I feel like I feel like it's such a good color combination and the Jordan 11 never comes on comes in that that I mean I don't know that I'll actually buy them, but I, I love the idea of it. So um, but yeah, then bring back some of the OG colorways too. I mean, obviously the Flint gray 13s are you Know probably arguably the best Jordan 13 colorway. Um, and I'd love to get my hands on a pair of those. I think those are March or April. Um, yeah, and and as you said, like the the Jordan one, uh, airship pack, I mean, I hope that releases. I hope that I have the opportunity to get them because obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of the story and the history behind the shoes. Um, but yeah, that. <laughs> I think the last thing for me on the Jordan front is the, like you said, the Jordan fives, I think the shape of them and getting the Nike air on the back again will definitely be something that will be hard to pass up for me because a lot of those shoes are, um, you know, just a lot, a lot of those, those original colorways, just, you just, they didn't, I feel like they don't stand the test of the time of, of like the way a Jordan one, a Jordan three, or even a Jordan four, like, I don't think that Jordan fives look, look as good beat up. So typically for me, I, I don't get as much wear out of them because I just am like, "Ah, I'm not into, I'm not into it if it's creased up, but (laughs) I'm excited to see what comes from it. I saw that, um, the women's oil gray colorway, which is like, Kind of, kind of looks like the cool grays, but with like a lot of black accents and a dark black or dark gray tongue. I mean, they probably won't make it in a big enough size for me, but that 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 shoe is yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. And speaking um, of
1: gray, I actually forgot about the the neutral gray one. Supposedly coming out
2: uh, looks like July, and that's definitely one I keep my eyes open for. Yeah, definitely. I, I I'm kind of.
0: I'm kind. I, I hate to say this, but other than original colorways, I think I'm kind of over the Jordan One. Yeah, and I, I just I think there's so many people that have them now. I, obviously, I love the shoe. I love the stories behind them, but you know, like the the green. I can't remember what the green colorway was, but it's like black and green. Kind of looks like a, the the original, like uh, what is it? The beginning moments or defining moments yeah. pack, and like. All right, that's cool. And if you're a Celtics fan, you know, that's that's a great shoe for you. If you're an Oakland A's fan, that's a great shoe for you. But for me, like, I'm just kind of over, like, this formulaic approach to it. And I know they're shifting to the, to the Jordan mid, you know, right right now, right? But I feel like it's just getting saturated. You know, there's so oh, many of them yeah. out there that that... You know, I mean, other than the the you know the new beginnings pack, I just don't see too many colorways. Or like I said, the the neutral gray and like the like the original colorways that I haven't had the opportunity to get. Like, I just don't see me getting anything else in the near future.
1: Yeah, and then they're gonna they're definitely capitalizing on that uh, the most popular non OG colorways because we have that um, the non fragment. Fragment deal coming out is that the Jordan one, the uh, the royal blue they're coming out with that has just same colors as a fragment, but just kind of different placement. Which has been a uh, they've been showing that one off for the past couple of weeks now, and people are already you know waiting ready to go. I don't think they come out until May, but they're
2: like again they're similar to the fragment colorway and up. They're gonna fly just on the power of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I
0: think one of the other things I'm 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 curious about the direction for things in 2020 kind of maybe a little bit of a spin here. But um, the Chinese New Year Jordan One low with like the, the black and gray and pink with the, the rose. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like That's gorgeous, man. But I wish it was just one. I wish it was just the same shoe on each shoe. Right. The different like, shoes. Well, you know, like the colorway is different on each, right? Like the yeah. the, the color, the panels are different. So one has a gray toe and pink bottom. One has a black toe and black bottom. And I'm wondering how long this like trend of having two <laughs> different colors is going to last. I know I'm old school when it comes to this, but I just feel like, come on, can we just, can we just not do this now? Like, let's, let's, let's just like. Make a g- good-looking pair of shoes, and let it be a good-looking pair of shoes. You know, like one side looks like the other kind of shoes. But Dude,
1: uh, I didn't I realize think. it, so I just looked at it again. I thought it was just two different pairs. Oh. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, the materials all the same, and the panels are are yeah, the same, yeah. but like they played some differently, right? So, like one of them has the gray mudguard on the front. One of them has uh the gray kind of suede behind the the side yeah. panel. And behind the swoosh. And I don't know, man. It just I mean, if if nothing else, this is my one request. If anybody from Nike or Jordan brand is listening, which I happen to know, people from both those companies listen to our podcast. Uh-huh. So just just do me one favor. I, I don't need you to send any shoes. I just need you to make it an option for me to buy a pair. So like if you do the mismatched shoe thing. Sell both, like the way that the Lebrons were with the uh what was, equality. That? What was that? equality like? pack. Yeah, the equality pack. That was so dope because I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm down to try. I'm down to try to get both of these because it's better for the business if I'm buying two pairs of shoes anyway, right? Yeah. And they're, if we really the business, good. if I'm buying one pair of shoes. And if people want to mismatch, they can buy two pairs of shoes. It's a genius marketing thing. The people in the accounting department that are looking at your numbers at the end of the week, month, year, whatever, they're going to love you. So that's my one request to anybody at any brand, really. But um, specifically the Jordan ones, I'm, I'm just kind of curious why they chose to do this with this one. But, I think
1: um, it's just a popular thing lately. Like, I mean, I, I've been I've been a proponent of not mismatching shoes, but there's two pairs I bought recently, like the, the Iversons, the crossover pair, and then these what the fours are, I got. And I'm just like, cool. But typically, other than that, I don't ever mismatch shoes. I think it's not as, it's not wearable when you get like these crazy designs. Like I'm looking at the Jordan 1 now, and it's, you have to be really specific about what you
2: wear with that, because not the colors specifically, but the different materials.
0: So, I mean, I think i think if robbie was 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 with us today um he he'd be uh telling us that we need to consider the top three and how beautiful that shoe is so um i I do understand you know that this is like very kind of a hit or miss subject right like and people i'm not against people wearing them i just feel like from a business perspective if you offered it's, it's not going to cost you that much more to do it. You know, yeah, you would produce more shoes, but you would really make more money by selling multiple pairs. Now, I know as a, cons- as a consumer, I would hate that too. And people are probably listening like, Nick, shut up. We don't want to have to buy two pairs to get mismatched. <laughs> but it is what it is. I just feel like, man, it would be so dope to have, like if you look at that Chinese New Year Jordan 1 low, both of those colorways are fire. And mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity to buy both of them, to have two sets, why wouldn't you? So, um, but I guess like transitioning away from that. So I don't, you know, piss anybody else off. Uh, (laughs) I I posted on Instagram, uh, asking about Travis Scott wearing the, uh, you know, all the classic Nike SB dunks. And I'm wondering, you know, the rumor is that he's got his own, uh, dunk coming out. And I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think do you think we'll see a, a bigger uh, a bigger dunk scene, so to speak?
1: I think it's just their way of being able to transition a dunk in front of in the forefront of the sneakerhead's mind again, <clears throat> because it, it went away. And we all know it is. It's not like a bad thing. It just it just happens. But I think that um, that's Travis Scott's their entry way to get these. Younger kids who don't necessarily have, I try to say this very carefully because I don't want people to think that I'm like trying to be a, a sneaker snob by any means. Because if you love sneakers, I don't care why you love them. That's cool with me. But the people who don't have like the historical reference to them, they're just like, oh, this person won't want to buy them. That's cool. I mean, that's fine. It's a smart business decision. It's cool if your favorite artist wears it. Because, I mean,
2: I bought stuff because my favorite athlete wear it. So I understand the point. Um, but it, I think it's good in that sense. But I think it's bad that now some of the dunks that were not particularly high in cost on the resale market are just going up in value in ridiculous amounts. Um, that
1: are making it tougher to buy, and it's it's silly to see some of these colorways that are so expensive. I mean,
2: this. I mean, I guess we should know they were going to sell, but those those raygun pairs exploded immediately. I mean they're not I guess they're not astronomical yet, but they went from a hundred dollar retail to three hundred dollar
1: resale immediately. Um Yeah. And that's just a, that's just an example. Like and the 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 pigeon dunk, the panda pigeon dunk, I think that was the last like really um really hype dunk release that came out
2: and that is like a five hundred dollar shoe now. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean
0: so uh, let me, let me read through some of the comments that we got on Instagram, because I, I do, I have a pretty strong opinion on this, which if you've, if you know me well enough, you probably know how I feel about it. <laughs> anything. But, um, uh, you know, choose said, quote, we all have our place in the, in the, in the ecosystem, uh, Tinker Hatfield quote, which obviously, you know, yeah, the, there's, there's room for everybody. It's, it's, it's not hurting anybody, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a neat heat twenty three says I feel that a lot of the older dunks are going to make a comeback this year, and then uh, you had young skunk reply if only Nike would make them how they used to, and um, then you had a that weirdo next door it's going to be the two thousands all over again had a couple of people that said that that thought the picture was David Dave Chappelle,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Uh,
0: Maui built 21 says 2020 is going to be the year of the lows. Nick Hotton said they're going to, they're only going to make a comeback because of Travis. And yes, the resale prices just like anything are going to be rape. Uh, these dudes couldn't, you're handsome homie. These dudes couldn't have told you that the name of a silver box pair just last year, I was wearing some Brown packs last night and a kid asked when, the, when did they come out? I said, 2003, Sonny. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. And I mean, I think like the other part of the conversation is just like the price is going up for them, Right. But um, my shoe life, yeah, my shoe life said it's cool seeing young folks, seeing folks wear dunks. Dunks are like chucks. It's a standard or at least should be a standard in any casual rotation. But with the hype surrounding them as high as it is, I'll keep mine put away for a bit. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, shoe review 101 said same kind of thing. Skateboarders have already made the Nike dunk cool for two decades. So. I, I think that my opinion on everything is that if it's good for the business as a whole, then it's good for all of us. And I believe that, you know, partially because I, I you know, work in the sneaker business and, and freelance in the sneaker business and you know, my business is focused around the sneaker business. Um, but also just because I I don't think that anything any value is lost from new people coming into a n- new experience. Now, I think that yes, there are plenty of ways that people, you know, dumb down things by, you know, not doing it right and, you know, I don't know, you could you, you use like anything as an example, but for sneakers, I feel like attention to any types of things any types of like specifics, like the dunk gives other people the opportunity and, and co- like old school collectors or even like young, you know, people that are just getting into sneakers. It gives them the opportunity to stand out by going and hunting out other things. So like if Nike dunks come back this year and you don't want to look like Travis Scott wearing Nike dunks, then this is a great year for you to go buy some Asics or some New Balance or rock some Air Maxes. if you don't care who's rocking Nike dunks and you've been rocking with Nike dunks, then so be it. Like keep rocking your Nike dunks. It doesn't hurt anybody. But really? I do think that by someone, especially on the level of Travis Scott and how, you know, like, you know, he's, he's probably one of the most, you know, well-known people in the world at this point. I think those types of people bringing to, shifting the culture of sneakers and to look at other things is, what someone like myself who's been working in this business and doing this for 15 years and you know been like a sneakerhead all my life basically so you know, i'm not going to say how old i am but you know like <laughs> 30 30 plus years right 20 20 plus years whatever it is and so if if i had the audience of Travis Scott and had millions of followers my goal would be to make people see that there's a crazy amount of awesome sneakers out there. There's a crazy amount of opportunity for people to work in the sneaker business with all sorts of different brands, with all sorts of different styles, with all sorts of different sports, with all sorts of different entertainment. All of those things are just all of the times that people like Travis Scott come in and say, I'm going to start wearing something different than, than the you know typical stuff I've been wearing for the last few years it shifts and it just creates more opportunity for other people to, to kind of find a way to get into the business or, or even just to like make it, you know, um, show their expertise and say, you know, like, yeah, you can, I, no, no diss to the people that are leaving comments, but you can look at a picture and say, yeah, he's screwing this up. And this kid doesn't know what I'm, what, what I'm wearing today or you could actually turn it around and tell that kid, Hey, you know, what? these came out in 2003, you probably weren't around then, but here's the backstory on them. And that's for me, like obviously what sneaker history is about. And obviously what I would do if I had the audience, uh, you know, the millions of people as Travis Scott has. So um, I'll, I'll step off the, 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 the pedestal here and let you talk a little bit. about.
1: Like. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, if, if it's good for the sneaker, world as a whole, I mean it's gonna be good for everybody because everybody's been looking for things to retro and we've been slowly getting when I say things, I mean SB dunks. And so we've been slowly getting some reworks of retros. Not quite what everyone's been looking for. But I mean a prime example was uh I mentioned them already, but the ray guns. You know, we didn't necessarily get a you know true to form retro, but we got, you know, something pretty cool. We got a little rework of it. The pigeons came out again in different forms. But I think now we're going to have more, if we have more attention on them, maybe we'll start seeing retros of some of the originals. Maybe you see, uh, you know, OG Diamond Dunk come out. You know, maybe you have these, you know, you have Chi Chong's come out or anything like that. You know, maybe you, ever, you know, re-release the Thai Temples, something like that. But who knows? But I just know it's a weird place to say that because there are people who know about these dunks and want them and will welcome 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 a a retro because trying to buy those certain ones are just impossible on a resale market they're too expensive you have people who don't know what they are at all but i think with like the colorways. i think they would actually may not maybe not connect with that story but they can find a story to connect with some kind of way but then on that that third platform you have the people who have them And are very adamant about them never re-releasing, which I think is completely weird. I I never looked at one of my shoes and like, I'll hope this never re-releases. In fact, I hope it re-releases a million times. So after I beat this one, I get another pair and just keep going with it if I like it so much. So it's just very weird to me to have that train of thought of wanting to have something so coveted that you don't want it to ever release again. I've, I've I've never been someone who has ever owned a single item and hoped that no one else could get it. It's just really weird to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understand from a you know from a, a value a monetary perspective, you know, like if you if you want to let's let's you know we posted him wearing the the, the Paris dunks, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think Paris dunks are probably like twenty twenty five grand right now. Yeah. And you know, there's only you know a what fifty of those or something. Like maybe it's less than that in the world. So uh, I understand that if you have a pair of those and it retros, then the original, the value of the originals potentially could go down. But you're talking about, you know, $20,000, $25,000. And I'm not dismissing that that's a ton of money. But yeah. if, if you looked at that and said, whoa, Travis Scott's wearing some Paris dunks. How many companies are looking at Travis Scott trying to understand what makes him cool? How many companies are out there that are trying to understand how to connect with a younger generation or even just a sneakerhead community? Because it's a, sneakers is a big deal, right? So instead of looking at, looking at that and saying, okay, cool, my, you know, I have these, I'm going to potentially lose a little bit of value on my $25,000 pair of shoes. The reality is you could look at that and say, I'm going to go teach somebody about these shoes and I'm going to show them like I'm the guy that knows about these sneakers and I'm going to help them with their business as a consultant or as a writer or a photographer or storyteller or, you know, marketing all these different ways that you could take your knowledge about just that one shoe. I'm not saying that like it would be easy, but if you looked at that and said, Hey, I could help you connect to the people that look at Travis Scott and think he's cool through sneakers, then you would make significantly more than $25,000. And yeah. that's, that's, I, I think like that's the, the thing that I, I, when I see people complaining about it, I just think, you know, like if you don't want to roll with the times and, you know, roll the punches and change with the times, then, you know, like you get left behind. And I don't mean that in a bad way because obviously like the nostalgia thing, I wouldn't have created a a site like Sneaker History if I wasn't about this nostalgia, (laughs) right? But also it's important for these stories to be told and it's even more important for the stories to be told when they're reintroduced by someone who's perceived to have not known what they were. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I stand with it and where I kind of always position what we do with sneaker history is to like, yeah, like I do understand like there's frustration and like, you know, imagine if you walked into some party and, you know, somebody else is wearing Paris dunks. Well, for one, it would be the most hilarious thing ever. (laughs) you'd You'd probably be like, damn, I'm wearing the same thing as that dude. But on the other side, it would be so hilarious. And you could just take a picture with that person and be like, yo, we're wearing the same shoes the odds of the two of you wearing the same shoes at the same place in the same time is astronomically against that happening. So it would actually be way cooler than it would not be cool in my opinion. But, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to be positive. Um, It's just kind of a funny thing. That makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. My thing is just like, look, if it's about the money and you don't
1: want to be the person to do like your scenario, like, Hey, let me just go out and try to monetize my knowledge. You've been holding onto this shoe for that long. It wasn't that important to you before. Or if you really need the money, sell it now while it's hot. Like, there's, you don't have to be that angry person. There's options to not be. There's, there's, you're literally yelling at the clouds at this point. You yell at the sky for being blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy to me. It's just, I mean, i there's hardcore collectors and that's cool, I mean, but if you're like, oh, the value's gonna go down, it's just like a stock. If you see it's about to go down, sell it off, get your best value for it and do what you wish. Because if it's if it's purely about the money, if that's the argument for these people all the time. Sell it. Get your money before they re-release them. Because it's going to be a possibility, I feel like in, a, in the near future, within the next, you know, one to three years, we're going to get a lot of real retros back of, of dungs.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how, how they move this year, because honestly, they've been, they've been rising pretty steadily for the past, like two years. Um, you know, maybe not the ones that, uh, that people think of, but in general, I think like the older stuff has gone, it has gone consistently up over the past, like two to three years. But, um, I guess like one of the other things we wanted to talk about kind of looking at the future and, and what's going to happen this year, um, We'll link to it, but there's an there's an article on Footwear News, uh, basically kind of asking some of the CEOs and and industry people what their challenges and opportunities in 2020 will be, and one of the things that um, one of the things that I have worked on with brands, kind of as a consultant, is uh, is understanding like the changes in retail, and I think that this year is going to be even more drastic than we've ever seen. Um Because
2: we, 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 as consumers,
0: I mean, think of how to say this as consumers, we basically put a huge amount of value on experiences and moments, right? Because that's what really matters. Like, yeah, we, we all collect sneakers and we all want sneakers, but if I, have the opportunity to buy a pair of sneakers at an event that I'm with 10 of my closest friends and that that becomes a part of the story then those shoes to me are way more valuable than some random pair of shoes that I'm able to cop off a sneakers at. So I say that to say there's going to be a huge shift in that that's going to mean you're going to have to define where you're you're going to define your own value in a sense. With with brands, in my opinion, because all these brands that and all these retailers are trying to understand, trying to they're all of them are struggling to get people into the stores, right? Like that's kind of the overall the like dark cloud over the retail business. But in my opinion, it's actually just the opposite because all this like talk of retail's demise and all this talk of like you know retail's dying has has made for such cool experiences all over that people have like risen up out of that to become really successful. You know, they've there's a, uh, the art of sneakers here in LA and there's Sneakertopia here in LA and you know, there's like sneaker con that travels around the country. There's um, you know, sneakerness over in Europe and like all of these experiences and these events like show that people want to come out and be a part of things and they want to buy because like if you ever been to any of these events people are buying things like crazy like it's a it's like massively popular to like release things at a complex con and have it sell out and look at how many people show up for it so retail is kind of going to be in an interesting place because if the people don't adapt to that and look at how they can become a part of the community and the culture that exists around sneakers like I think this is the year that you're gonna see a lot of people closing their doors because we already have seen Nike pulling the plug on a lot of the retailers that are not aligning with their business, but in the future, like all these other retailers are going to have to do this or all these other brands are going to have to do the same thing because they're you know they've got to make the the numbers for Wall Street work, and it's almost it's almost scary because the the numbers for wall street now have gotten so high and the stock market value has gone up so much that in my opinion, it's, a, it's, you know, fairly inflated. And that means there's going to be a lot of falling out in, in the next probably 12 to 18 months over. And it's not going to be just specifically sneakers, but it's going to be a lot of the kind of retail and smaller mom and pops and You know, maybe some of the smaller, even like hyped up, you know, sneakers, sneaker like chain stores um, that haven't been able to adapt quick enough um, or haven't had the finance financial backing to, you know, go all out and have these crazy events and stuff. So um, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I personally I think we talked about it on a few episodes and you know, like one of my favorite things about sneakers is going into a store and trying things on. So I think that, you know, whoever is able to create that kind of emotional connection with customers is going to really like stand out amongst the rest this year because uh, the the rest of the rest of the business is going to, is I think going to kind of uh, slide into a little bit of a recession, so to speak for the footwear business.
1: And then I hope they can figure it out because but just like you, I like to actually go try on my shoes. I mean, there are some instances where the deal is so good I can't pass up online. But typically, I like to go in store and not go to a place of mass hysteria like a like complex kind to go buy a shoe. I like to just go walk in, see if it's there, buy if they have it, and go back to my car and go home. And I, I like that though. I like to physically like touch the shoe before I buy it, which I think that's why I like again. Just going back to the my thoughts on, on the what the Jordan Four. Being able to touch and physically hold a shoe is way different than just, ooh, this is hype by the line. There, how many times do we see people who buy a sneaker online because it's been hyped up for you know six months? They get it, they're like, oh, this is actually trash in my hand. Like it's just oh, a yeah, such exactly. a, Yeah. It's such a different thing to be able to go in, touch it, try it on, take a couple steps in it. I mean, it's 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 a completely different environment, I think. And I hope they can figure it out because Foot Locker Incorporated. I mean, there's just they they have so many different stores. Like, this isn't any kind of shot taken at them, but I know that they do stuff places. I I'm not saying that they don't, but I feel like they should do more widespread things. I mean, I'm in Houston, I'm in one of the biggest cities in in the US. And I mean, yeah, we they have a couple things that happen here, but not much. I mean, so much so that you know, we'll go back to Travis Scott again. He's easy to talk about because he's the most popular right now. But during the release of his sneakers, he's from Houston. There have been plenty of his sneakers that were released on, like, the sneakers app that were just in, like, Chicago and L.A. and New York. I'm like, I mean, the man's from here. Why are we not getting, like, any kind of, like, any kind of
2: special drops here? They just don't, they don't take into consideration everybody. When they, if they can do that. I think the game would change for retail.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that Foot Locker, as far as the big, you know, retail stores and chain stores, they do better than than most at, oh, yeah. at getting people excited in different markets. But I, I think that's going to be something for for those that size of a retailer. That's going to be hugely important. You know, this this year is the, the next five years will be a complete shift for their business into these kind of um, you know, the, the marketing dollars of like buying a commercial will change. And instead of buying a commercial or in addition to buying a commercial, you're going to have to put on events around the country in different markets. And I think like the Travis Scott example is a great example. Um, but I do think that <clears throat> on the flip side of that, it creates opportunities for smaller um smaller stores and smaller i don't know sometimes it's just pop-ups right people just want the experience so i would say that like you know looking at the glass glass half full in that conversation it's also a cool opportunity for for smaller places in houston for this example to go and create some energy and like do something really cool and like you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be, uh, you know, like the, the even like a retail store. It could be just like a group that, um, you know, that that is connected to sneakers in some way that can do a pop up and you create experience for, you know, three or four days. And now that's something to talk about that's going on in Houston. And if you get the right people involved, you can grow that and bring that to, you know, bring that Travis Scott experience, so to speak to the people of Houston. And now you're, now you're potentially, you know, open yourself up for, you know, doing that elsewhere or, or with other brands. And, you know, so I I don't know, just, just kind of, you know, be in the, uh, kind of taking the the opposite look at that, you know, (laughs) like, you know, it's crazy to me that Travis Scott doesn't do more in Houston. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I do, I do think that, that's kind of always been a challenge in the footwear business right because there's so much there's so many big uh, there's so many people and perception that New York and LA are the only places that have things going on that a lot of there's a lot of missed opportunities to do things with you know different areas and different markets so yeah uh, yeah all right so i uh, before we get out of here what are you guys looking forward to in 2020 are you are you excited about the future of sneakers, the footwear business? Or you, you need to be excited if you're listening to <laughs> us. Get excited. <laughs> you're giving way too much energy to sneakers if you're listening to us and you're not excited about the future of sneakers, in my opinion. So <laughs> um, but if you uh if you if you have a chance, as as always, we would appreciate the review on iTunes. It's really kind of the only measure of success that we have for this podcast. And if you're uh down to uh listen to more episodes you can catch us on patreon we drop typically an extra episode or two every week on there. Uh, patreon.com slash sneaker my name's nick ingvall you can follow me at nick ingvall on all platforms and uh mike let them know how they can find you
1: yeah man you guys can find me on sneaker history as well find me on instagram and twitter at madwatcher 789
0: Cool, cool. We appreciate all of you listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you.